Y'all ready to be history? It's started. Welcome. Hi. 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 Hello, everyone. To the Pro Audio Suite. Thanks to Rode Microphones. These guys are professional. They're motivated. Introducing Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post, Chicago. Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging, Sydney. Tech to the VO Stars. George the Tech Whitam from LA. And me, Andrew Peters. Voiceover talent and home studio guy. Line up, And welcome to a new year and a new Pro Audio Suite podcast. This one we're going to talk about uh, the Source Elements certification. They're doing uh, some tutorials, which both Robbo and I have done, mm-hmm. that for the Source Connect standard. Um, we'll talk about that. But before we do, uh, we've both seen a couple of weird tutorials online. One I saw was for a microphone, an ISK, a Chinese microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a dynamic mic, and the guy that was doing it was talking about plosives. He did it with a pop guard and without a pop guard, but it was popping all the way through it, and I don't think he could hear it. It was the f- <laughs> he's going, "See, there's no plosives," and I'm like, "Yes, there is. They're everywhere." So I don't know what his what headphones wow. he was listening to. Did he listen back to it? Though? <laughs> he obviously didn't. I, mean, listen well, back I don't know. Either. I don't know if I'd listened back to it, I'd have dumped it and not yeah, put that one up. Totally. <laughs> could you see, like on camera, was he actually wearing headphones? Yeah, yeah, he's wearing headphones in his booth. Yep, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's bizarre. I've got one that's sort of the same. Um, It was a a guy doing an online tutorial about compression and he was doing it in Adobe Audition and and in Adobe Audition you can split the editing screen and you can see the original file on the top and then on the bottom while you're setting the parameters you can actually see what it's going to do to the waveform. It sort of previews the waveform. So he was teaching, supposedly teaching voiceover compression and he was sort of saying, you can see here while I'm playing with the threshold, you can see what it's doing to the transients and blah, blah, blah. And and, and then the other interesting thing to me was he sort of said, look, you know, don't worry about the attack and release times. And then he was sort of going, here's the ratio and you can see what it's doing. He did it all just looking at it and then hit the process button and went, see how great that is. And I went... It sounds very over-compressed to me. So <laughs> I was kind of watching it going, I don't know how you teach audio engineering visually uh, like that, but um, it's certainly not the way I would do it, that's for sure. He probably needs to get on some anti-compressants. Maybe he does. Maybe he was <laughs> he a bit compressed. to get that joke in there. <laughs> yeah, did, yeah. did. <laughs> First one for 2022. <laughs> I'm yeah. afraid you'd forgotten about it if you hadn't said uh, quickly enough. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> George, when you, I, I, I would imagine when you're when you're setting up stacks for people, you don't have to listen to it, do you? You just look at it and go, "Yeah, hey, that looks right." <laughs> oh man, no, no self-respecting engineer would, would do anything by numbers and meters. Right. Um, they're they're helpful in guiding you. They're helpful in giving you some visual feedback sometimes if you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out if the controls that Not you're adjusting properly. are actually doing things yeah. or. But uh, no, I rarely look at any any data. I just look at meters to make sure I'm not clipping. Sure. Um, I will look at a compression reduction meter to see how much visually um, I might be compressing in case my ears fool me or something. Um, but yeah, it, if someone's teaching audio and they're more a visual person, maybe if they're more video editors, I've I can see how they might use a more visual me- method to teach an audio medium you're not going to get good at it you'll be perf- you'll be able to physically functionally operate the thing but you're not going to ever be good at it yep working that way here's a question you really for you have to train your ears Compl- and, and a question without notice but something that 
and it's a little off topic, but something I'd be interested in your thoughts in, is I, I've been watching a few, obviously a few videos about compression because uh, at the end of last year, I talked about how I got that Slate digital pack um, and, and I've been looking mm. at some compression tutorial videos because I wanted to get an idea of the compressors that were in the pack and what people were using them for and where people found what compressor most effective and stuff. And I was been watching a few about voice, about vocals because... Uh, the reason, part of the reason I wanted some different compressors was to see what I could do with my voiceovers for radio. Yeah. And it's interesting, there's people talking about how much they're happy to compress, hearing you talking about the compression meter. Like, uh, I, I sort of tend to go anywhere down to like minus seven in terms of how much I'll let it compress in a single compressor. But then there are others that sort of say only minus three. Do you have a range or do you just sort of see each voice is different? It depends on the content. Um, If I'm trying to control an extremely wide dynamic range of a performance, such as in the context of an animation, a really common thing is people are doing animation um, auditions. So they're doing these characters and they're all over the place dynamically, right? 30 dB plus. I'd say dynamic range sometimes. So, so in those cases, yeah, I, I, I am compressing pretty significantly, 10 or more decibels oh, at wow. least huh. to control that and bring it into a more listenable range. And this isn't for production. This is really so it's just listenable. So like someone is going to listen to your audition on their laptop speakers or their AirPods. And you just want it to be intelligible. You know, hear the quiet stuff. And the loud stuff doesn't blow them out of their headphones. And that's the way I look at it. But I don't, I don't know if I would consider that going to finish. And because I don't mix for film or TV, I don't, have, I don't know what's an acceptable dynamic range. You know what I mean? I don't know how much I would get away with compressing. But I'd say in a general rule, if it's narration or commercial, yeah, minus 3 to minus 5 dB maybe. of des- Or 3 to 5 dB of compression or a little more occasionally, but not much on commercials. They're definitely wanting to err on the side of less compression. Yeah, well, I would imagine uh, here in the states and TV and for TV, yeah. especially for TV, because you've got your loudness um, considerations and all that sort of stuff. If your voice comes in heavily compressed to begin with, you're sort of struggling when you try to put that in yeah, place with everything else. Yeah, you can't go anywhere if it's overcompressed already. That's right. So exactly. Yeah, each each thing that you mix for is unique because you don't know. You have to know what's going to happen to the audio after it leaves your studio. Mm. What's the mix process? What's the delivery medium? Does it going through another master compressor? If it's for radio, it's going through a crazy, crazy multiband compressor, right? So you have to know what you're what you're working toward. But have you found some really good? Because for, for me this year is to teach good content on doing engineering techniques for voice actors. So that is a goal, and um, and and learning, you know, teaching compression, teaching EQ, understanding how important the hear, hearing what you're doing is. Have you found um, some great examples in your in your have. time of good good tutorials on how to do this stuff? I have. There is some good stuff around. There's also some rubbish. But there are. Yeah. We know there's more rubbish than good. Probably, I, I, and, but, and, yeah, and to exactly. be fair, to be fair, the good ones that I found are probably more musical in terms of sure. mixing vocals for music. But there's so much you can take from that and put into the voiceover realm that it's really 
you know, if, if you've got a little bit of experience doing stuff for voiceover, you can go, okay, yeah. I'll take that and I'll turn that around and do it this way. I mean, I've even just in terms oh. of the Slate digital stuff I was talking about, there were, there's, yeah. there's a, um, a, a two-way copy that Slate are running. I can't think of the name of it, but they, they, they were putting that in the chain after one of the other Slate digital compressors. And I actually wanted to talk about this on another show later this year once I get my head mm. around it. But instead of mm. doing one heavy compress, and this isn't new or groundbreaking, they do, but they yeah. do a couple of light compressors but with different you know, attack and release times and all that sort of stuff. And I've actually found it made, it's made a big difference um, and and the two the two compressors together just sound magic compared to what I was doing. Um, it gets real interesting when they start talking about chaining compressors like mm. serial compression, and then and then parallel compression, or you're mixing in the dry and the wet. Yep. Well, that's the other it's, thing I've changed a lot. A lot. Interesting technique. Yeah, from yeah. from watching some some vocal videos, is I've changed my parallel compression on my voiceover. Um, changed the way I think about that. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I, as I said, I, I'm hoping to talk about this a bit later in the year once I get my sort of head around uh, everything. But um, wow, it's it's really changing the way I mix. It, since just before Christmas, when I started down this road, it's really changing the way I think about mixing vocals. Absolutely. Do you prefer to use a, a plugin, or do you want? Would you prefer to use hardware? I'm happy with the plugins. I don't. You know, it would be great to have a rack full of gear. But let's be honest, you're never gonna. <laughs> well, I'm certainly never going to afford it. Um, and that's the beauty of plugins is, and especially this slate digital stuff that I've been playing with, I would never be able to buy all those even. The subscription is, I think, $25 US a month, which gives me access to like, I think it's like $25,000, $30,000 worth of plugins. Um, yep. So, yeah. And, and then and that's $30,000 worth of plugins that's emulating... Three hundred thousand dollars worth of rack gear. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. Yeah, so exactly. you know. So it's just. Um, look. Yeah. Look. I, no. I think I'm happy with plugins. I guess is the answer, though. Is yeah. I, I certainly for the results I'm getting, I'm more than happy. Well, it's got to be more time efficient mm. than let's say I need to rack in and patch in and dr- bring this. I mean, I guess if you have a really well designed studio where. It's very easy to send audio through analog compression, through you know a bus. If it's really well designed, it's probably just as seamless. I'm sure a fellow who's you know really good at analog processing would tell me that no, I can do it faster or just as quickly. But for anybody with a, a practical studio that isn't taking up an entire wing of their home, uh, you know. To be able yeah. to just punch it up, and the, the models are so, they're so stinking good. There's so many other things in your recording process and your mixing, mastering process that you'll botch up far before your slightly inaccurate model of a specific yes. compressor, <laughs> you know, is yep. being uh, is being judged, you know, against the original. It's just it's all in theory. In the real world, you're just trying to get a good sounding result, and that comes down to good engineering technique. Good ears, you know, and well, time. I think the other thing as an engineer is is sort of understanding your weaknesses because that's always been mine is I've always struggled with voice. You know, I've been fine, you know, getting a, a mix and all the rest of it. But in terms of getting my voice to sit in my mix and sound like it should be there and it's a part of everything else and not mm. two separate entities, I've always struggled with. And that's sort of part of the reason I've, I went down this path and the reason I picked up the Slate Digital Pack was because I'd seen a few videos online and sort of thought, hmm, 
that's worth having a crack at. And so that's how I landed here. But um, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing, the other part of being an engineer is understanding your weaknesses and, and sort of being prepared to go, okay, well, what am I going to change to fix it rather than, what do they say? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> I like it, yeah. Pretty and also the other thing about being uh, using plugins and being um, you know in a digital format, you've also got really good recall, mm, right? Um, which you don't necessarily get with analog Repeatability, gear. Repeatability, you can have presets for different scenarios. You can revisit a project and be right back where you were with a click. And yeah, it's just there's just a lot of very practical reasons to go that direction. Mm. Just doesn't look as good. Doesn't? No, no, no it's no. not as sexy. You yep. know. I guess I guess you could put some like flat screen monitors inside your racks. So when you look in the rack, actually it's so funny. I've never seen anybody actually do that. Like take displays, put them on long, on the edge, you know, and just have them laid into the rack. <laughs> you have be, digital. That's very cool. A digital uh, rack full of digital gear. Gomez would be listening going, oh, yeah. it'd, be to, it'd be fun to experiment. <laughs> yeah, because if you have a desk and you have a producer's workstation, you have all this space. Mm. You got to put stuff yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know the other New Year's resolution we should make? Stay on topic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Are we going to talk about the source? <laughs> yeah, well, onla- so just- online courses, we, we, the reason we got onto this, because yeah. we, we were going to talk about, um, it's a shame Robert is not here, but um, last night I completed, and Andrew, in the last couple of weeks, you've completed their um, online training course for Source Connect. Yeah, just um, the basic one. The basic yep. one, yeah. So, um, and and look, uh, you know, without being silly about it, I but I guess because I use it regularly, especially for this podcast, there wasn't a lot in there I didn't know. But I can imagine if you were a voiceover artist who does two or three sessions at home from week and per week, or even less than that, um, I think there would be a lot of stuff in there that would open what's your eyes. Something that well, what's something that did open your eyes? As you guys, I didn't get to see it yet. But what, it, what was there anything, even though you've been using it a while, that there was, was like oh. there was one thing that I think, and I talk, we should talk to Robert about this because I think there was one mm-hmm. error. Now it may not be an error; it may be something that uh, Robert's done with my computer. <laughs> but it, it, one of the questions was, can you have your Source Connect account on two mm-hmm. separate computers? And the mm-hmm. answer is no. Mm. But I can. I can have Source Connect standard on yeah. my PC and then the B account on my Mac. The only thing that I think may be the issue, and this is where Robert Steps should be here, but the one on my Mac is a pro and the one on the PC well, those are, is standard. Those are two different licenses so, technically. So that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I think is the issue. Yeah, so those are licenses, yeah. yeah. So maybe the question and answer is correct. Well, the thing for yeah. the thing for me, what I, for me that I sort of it's one of those things where you know what needs to happen, but you don't understand why. The whole port forwarding thing to me was always sure. confusing, and it it certainly cleared yeah. that up. That really sort of I went. I, it was one of those light bulb moments where you went, ah, okay, now I get it, and I'm not going to try yeah. to explain it because I'll screw it up. But it was it it cleared that yeah. up for me was that, that understanding that whole port forwarding thing, which I can imagine would catch a lot of people, sure. especially. People who aren't, you know, I'm computer literate to the point that I need to be. But well, you might be computer literate, and you might be very computer literate. But if you're not Linksys router operating system literate, or whatever the brand uh-huh. of router you have, and you don't know how to navigate, 
you know, through that gauntlet, then you're still going to be stuck because it's not obvious all the time. And every router has its own interface. So that's another thing you have to watch out for. But um, yeah, the, the ports are interesting. It, people are still thinking like, why do we have to do this? And as I have to remind everybody, well, you know what? Everything you're using on your computer that connects to the internet is using ports. You just don't know, you know, because they're all standardized ports. You know, web browsing and secure web browsing and email, they all use these standardized ports that are built in to this infrastructure of the internet. But then there's a tremendous amount of software and games too that aren't uh, already pre-determined and, and pre-configured. And that's why we have to do it to get those connections mm, to work yeah. reliably. Mm. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it too. I want to do both the standard and the, and the pro because while I never or almost never have to use it, I would certainly like to know more about it and be able to support more people that might be using it. I was going to say, it'd have to be helpful for you, yeah. surely. I mean, I got certified many years ago on an older version, um, but I would love to go mm. through their new course and 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 uh, feel it out. Because, uh, well, yeah, you know. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should all hit up Robert for a, uh, a pro, uh, a Source Connects pro course and do it in the next couple of weeks and then do a, um, a whole episode on it. Yeah. You're talking way out of my league. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be out. You'll do it. Of course you sure. will. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting though because I got through the course, passed. That's fine. Got the certificate and everything. But I guarantee, if you ask me a question about port forwarding, I would probably fail. Yeah, but that just comes with practice now. Yeah, and that's the problem. You get your certificate, and but if you're not doing that's it every right. day, you're going to forget, and this, mm. that's you know that's the problem. Uh, and the other thing that I thought was really interesting, which we've discussed before we got on today. Uh, was a friend of mine, um, Pip, who I've talked about before. He's got a studio in Melbourne called Windmill. Um, he lives close to me, so, you know, he's got a setup at home as well. So when he's not in town, he can work out of his um, home setup. Um, but he had a, a session. He needed had two actors for this session. So one actor was local here. He came to my studio, and then the other actor was at his Melbourne studio. So we connected via Source Connect. And I said to Pip, have you got your engineer in Melbourne uh, to set up Q Manager, and he said, "No, what, what's Q Manager?" Now he runs Pro X, so and it was kind of weird. No, you know, not that he should know about Q Manager necessarily, but I'm surprised he didn't having Pro X and didn't understand what Q Manager does. Because after we'd finished the session, I explained what Q Manager does, and he's like, "Oh, that's, well, we should be definitely using Q Manager." Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I think it, I think this certification thing is going to really help educate people about features that they have that they didn't even know they had. It's such a paradigm shift from what... I think a lot of engineers who are using Source Connect today are probably using it because they were using ISDN yesterday. So they're just yes, thinking of it yeah, as yeah. just... It's just another ISDN. They're don't, they don't have any more expectations beyond that. And that's what it does. It just connects me to the studio and that's it. And so they don't even conceptualize yep. what a queue manager would do and why you would even care. Because um, it's just totally a new concept. So it's a lot of it's just education, you know, and the more we talk about it, the more people will think about it and try using it. Yeah. I think that's one of the issues with um, the other, you know, means of connecting, like, you know, I won't mention any names, but we all know that other people use other systems to connect studios. 
But I think that one of the issues with Source Elements or Source Connect is that a lot of people don't know about the features. And if they did know about the features and what it actually does, they probably wouldn't be going elsewhere to do mm -hmm. the same job. And I'm not sort of being all sort of, you know, fanboy of Source Elements or anything. No. The one, the one that I learned only at the end of last year when we did the Mary Lynn Wisner episode that blew my hair back was we were talking about a file that I'd had problems with from the previous record to that one. And Robert said, well, open your queue manager. George, have you got your queue man manager open? Yes, Robbo, go into queue manager, do this, do this, and bang, I could still restore the file. Yeah. And that was two weeks after yeah. the session. That's crazy. Do that with ISDN. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or anything else for that matter. That's right. No, exactly. I, I, when I, yeah. I do, yeah. you know, I, their, their source elements is uh, graciously sponsors of VOBS too, right? And they have been for years. And every episode, yeah. I improvise an ad. You know, I just talk about Source Connect. And this is what I talked about yeah. the last episode. I talked about this Q Manager thing because nobody knows about it. <laughs> not, not in my world anyway. Yeah, yeah. So the more we talk about it, the more people will become aware of it and understand how it's yet another differentiator among many other things. It's mm -hmm. another major differentiator from the ones that run on web browsers like Chrome. Um, it doesn't mean they couldn't yeah. eventually emulate it. They've, I'm sure there's ways they could do the same on, you know, but just Source Connect's been doing it for a very long time and the workflow makes it very painless for the producer, the engineer who's actually running the session. There's so much you don't have to think about. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. You have to think about to get it yeah. set up. But once it's operating, like any yes. good studio, all the work is getting yep. it set up. Once the session's running, it's just it's a pleasure. Look, I, we I uh, spoken about this before. The the this program gets recorded on a temp Pro Tools template in my system, and Robert had a big input on that. He helped me set that up. I did have one, and Robert sort of went, "I think there's a better way for you to do it," and so he helped me set it up. And as soon as I watched him do it, because he logged in and did it, as soon as I was watching him do it, I went, God, that makes so much yeah. sense. But, you know, yeah. that, but that, what I'm saying is that process took, you know, I get, over a couple of days, probably took four or five hours to set up a template. But now I open up a Pro Tools session, I open up my Source Connect connections and I open up Source Connect now, which is what we use to monitor each other because of the latency. Um, and, and I'm ready to go five minutes and, and I've got a session that has sometimes up to four source connect connections, a source connect now connection. You could still throw in a telephone connection or a yeah. zoom connection plus me, plus a couple of backups running. It, it takes five minutes to open up a session and open up everything and I'm right to go. So is it all using uh, Nexus? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Nexus is the hub of all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just brilliant. It's, you know, anyone who is doing this sort of thing regularly to sort of go down the track of having to open it up and start from scratch every time, oh, you're yeah. killing yourself. And you can do that in Logic. Yeah, you yeah. could do that in Nuendo. You could do that in Cubase. You could do that of in course. any multi-track DAW, essentially. Yeah. So anyway, well, Robert, you owe us some money. We've just done a massive big advertorial <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> they just paid him back for setting up your system, there you, I guess. There you go. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Watch. I got the privilege of watching watching the master at work at the same time. Yeah, there's something going on with that brain of Robert. <laughs> mm. I don't know what it is, but there's something going on. You're right. <laughs> yeah, there's, something, there's something to be said for eating pizza and smoking pot. <laughs> Well, that was fun. Is it over? 
The Pro Audio Suite recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect. Edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging with tech support from George the Tech Wizard. Help us share the show with more people and get your hands on exclusive content by contributing to our Patreon page. See patreon.com forward slash Pro Audio Suite. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say g'day, drop us a note at our website, theproaudiosuite.com.